Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sounds good. Hello, my name is Mitch and I'm with Wide Left Sports. Today I am joined by Montana State University Billings Athletic Director Michael Baysmore. How are you doing tonight, Michael? I'm doing good, Mitch. You know, we got a, a heat wave today. You know, the last couple of weeks has been kind of cold, so. <laughs> I know, it was kind of nice. I looked at my phone at like 10.30 this morning and said 45 degrees. I'm like, dang, all right. <laughs> yes, Monday started off on a high note with nice, <laughs> a nice 30-degree <laughs> weather with some sunshine and billings. You know, you got you to gotta appreciate some of those days in the winter. Oh, for sure. I mean, start of January, 45 degrees, that's great. Yes, yes. So why don't we start this off by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Oh man, that's kind of a kind of a loaded question. I, I guess I'll give the abbreviated version. I think whoever is familiar with my background, obviously football was probably the the launching point for a lot of the success that I've had in, in my overall career, personally and professionally. But originally from Philadelphia, you know, Philly kid, inner city Philly, and. I went to high school, you know, I had excelled in football and basketball and lucky, lucky enough for me, football was kind of my ticket to see a lot of different things that I probably would not have experienced. And with me excelling in football, I had a scholarship offer at Michigan State amongst other institutions at that time when I was coming out and the recruiting environment. I mean, it's, it was crazy then it's kind of gotten, in my opinion, just kind of has expanded now, but I didn't know a lot about the whole Division One football, athletics. I was real, very green to all of that. But my coach at the time, Coach Brian Fluck, he did a great job of putting me in the environment through a lot of um, unofficial visits, you know, during the summer before, I think my junior year, or no, my senior year, to get me more acclimated. And I ended up, you know, choosing Michigan State. Went on to be a two-year starter there. And then I did have an opportunity to play for the Detroit Lions. I went to their rookie mini camp when I came out, I think it was in 2006, but didn't get picked up. And from there, I just was, you know, working. I was regular, in quotations, person of society, just trying to figure it out. And I was thinking about, you know, trying to get back into training and maybe giving an NFL dream one more go ahead. And the weird thing about it is I got a Facebook message from somebody that was recruiting for indoor football leagues. And he had mentioned Billings Outlaws and Billings, Montana. And I didn't know where <laughs> Billings was at the time. And this is pre-smartphone, that whole phenomenon where you can just talk to Siri and get endless information at the drop of a dime. I had to get on, had to go look at a map and see where I was going. And I, you know, finally made my decision to give it one more go. And I, the, the rest is kind of history. I mean, it's, it's weird because when I talk about my journey, 
and living in Billings. I started out in 2007 and then I had left in 2016, but that was a fast, like nine and a half, almost 10 years. You know, when you get started on, on something and I was looking at just trying to extend my playing career, maybe kind of a long shot, you know, in the dark to get the NFL not again, even though I excel individually, our team has some great performances and, you know, we won some championships just didn't happen. That just didn't happen that way. But the cool thing about it is it allowed me to think about the next step in my journey. And so that was getting into administration, you know, and I wanted to pursue that route. Didn't really know much about it, you know, when I was playing in college. And so playing professionally allowed me to look at the game more holistically outside of just coaching and playing and kind of seeing how can I fit in this environment and be able to maybe hopefully, you know, shorten the learning curve of everybody that comes after me, not only in football, but in a number of different sports, because when you're playing sports, I mean, you kind of walk a, a similar path with some of the things you learn. And so I just kind of went all in on the administration route and graduate school and MSUB internship. And, you know, luckily enough for me, it kind of worked out where I was able to gain a lot of skills here, gain some skills at some other some other schools, Division II focused, and then also had a chance to work at the NSA National Office. So I kind of hit a lot of uh, goals and benchmarks along the way. And, you know, I had a great chance to come back to Billings, a place that, you know, I feel is, I call it my second home, you know, being from Philadelphia, obviously that's my, that's my hometown, but, you know, living almost uh, close to a third of your life in another place, I think it's safe to say that you can kind of call that, you know, home as well. And so here I am today trying to trying to figure it all out. You know, I'm new to, to the AD's position, but confident that I can, you know, get some great things down here. That's awesome. I mean, I know I looked you up a little bit before this interview because I wanted to be prepared. And what you've done is just amazing. I mean, I didn't know you had such a great career at Michigan State and all your things you did. So that's amazing. So one of my questions with that is what drove you to go to Michigan State for your bachelor's degree? Yeah, I think for me, it felt like a place where I could be a student there, you know, if God forbid, where I couldn't play the sport anymore. One of the things that my coach would always say, some of my family members is you want to make sure you pick a place where you feel comfortable if you couldn't play the sport, because picking a school is more than just the sport. I mean, we dedicate a lot of time to the sport from practice, watching film, competition. So uh, a large part of your daily activities and responsibilities are focused on a sport, you know, outside of just going to class and whatnot. So, but, you know, I think for me, the, the choices came down between Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, Notre Dame were my top four at the time. And then, yeah, when I went to Michigan State, it just kind of felt like, you know, a place I could, I kind of felt had, had that homely feeling because they all look very similar all great facilities, coaching staffs are very similar and whatnot. And you really don't know how you're going to interact with the coaching staff until you get there. And so Mm -hmm. you have a a very close relationship with the coach that's recruiting you. Um, If that coach is in charge of another position group, then obviously, you know, you will talk to the defense coordinator or your position coach, um, you know, pretty exclusively to, you know, get a feel for each other. But yeah, I just kind of felt like, you know, it was a place I could, I could just kind of go to school there if it all hit, you know, if the ish hit the fan, as they say. And then for me, I think my mother wanted me to get outside of Pennsylvania just to kind of grow up as an adult. And I don't know if uh, if she would, if she would not have, 
been upset if I went to Penn State or, you know, tried to um, try to talk me out of going to Penn State. But I think it being so close to Philadelphia, I think she wanted me to get outside of the state just to kind of grow up as a, you know, as a person, as a man. So ended up at, at Michigan State. That's awesome. So Michigan State's in the Big Ten. They've had a lot of good athletes come through there throughout the years. Who was the toughest student athlete that you had to face at Michigan? Toughest student athlete that I've faced. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I like to give respect to the to the great talent that I had a chance to play with and practice or play against and with uh, at practice, man. I've seen a lot of great athletes just kind of like that make you like, man, just kind of sit back sometimes and you get caught up at, at watching greatness. I want to give respect to Charles Rogers. He recently passed away last year. He was a phenomenal student athlete, man, just a great receiver. So that's probably the greatest player that I've played with on a college level, played against. Um, trying to think, I would say maybe one of the most notable ones would maybe be Troy Smith from, from Ohio State. Oh, yeah. He won, a, he won a Heisman Trophy. So he probably one of the most notable offensive players I played against. And then I can think about it. Let's see. Played against a lot of dudes, man. Kind of drawing a blank. But yeah, Troy Smith kind of sticks out. Um, sticks out the most just because maybe he won a Heisman Trophy. For sure. So then you went on after college and you went to Lions Mini Camp. What was that experience like? Man, surreal. It was surreal. It was crazy just because, one, you know, you, you have dreams of playing professionally, being in those halls being at those practice facilities and being, you know, I'll hopefully have a chance to play at the, at, at the stadium of whatever professional team, but for it to actually, you know, and I had like a toenail kind of in the league and whatnot, being at the Lions facility, but to actually be in, you know, the, the meeting rooms that the, the vets are in, you know, having a chance to interact with the vets for like a day, that was cool. And then, you know, interacting with the coaching staff, at that time, I think Mike Martz was the offensive coordinator and the, the head coach. How oh, am I drawing a blank on his name? <clears throat> I think Rob Marinelli. Yeah, that's his name. Rob Marinelli. Rob Marinelli. And so, yeah, like you read about these these guys and you see them on, on the sidelines on, you know, on TV. But to, you know, be with them and interact with them in person was pretty cool. But, yeah, I would say that's a real experience. And, you know. I wanted it to be longer, obviously, but just that, you know, that that mini campus was, was a pretty cool experience. Something I could say that I've done, but I wish it was longer. Definitely. I think I, I jokingly say that's why the, the Lions haven't been that good, you know, since then, because they haven't they ain't put me on the team. So, you know, so well, there you go. Some, exactly. some bad juju. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, anybody that gets a shot to even go to a mini camp, that's something that not very many people can say. So that's awesome. For sure. So you mentioned this a little bit, but how did you get into the arena football? Because you obviously, you know, had your route where you wanted to go to the NFL. That didn't work out. How did you get into the arena football aspect of football? Yeah, it, it was weird. Like I had very limited knowledge of arena football, the number of leagues that we have across the country. It was one of those things where I just kind of took a leap of faith when I got the, the message through, through Facebook Messenger. And this was back in the day where Facebook was pretty rudimentary. It wasn't as expansive as it is now. And I think the recruiter's name was Jared Lane. I sent the message about the Billings Outlaws. 
And, you know, I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about getting back into the swing of things, training. He said, to be honest with you, you know, you can train, go to a, a regional combine, and that's all really good, but you're going to need some active current film to get a legitimate look. And so I said, yeah, that makes sense. And so I talked to Coach Haran O'Neill, talked to the owner, Mike Parnell, and right before my, I think right after my birthday in 2007, I was on a plane to, to Billings. I want to say, I think I had my birthday. It was long, like a weekday, a Wednesday or Thursday. And I think two or three days later, <laughs> I was on a plane to Billings, Montana. And yeah, I mean, for me, it was pretty, pretty simple in terms of just thinking about, okay, what's going to be the best route for me to, you know, extend that dream of playing in NFL and, you know, having some current film and playing football was the best route for me. So I just jumped all in and said, you know what, if it's going to be, it's going to be. If not, then then I'll know. I'll have a definitive answer one way or another, as opposed to me thinking about it some years later, thinking, ah, I should have did this, should have did that. You know, why, why not throw your hat in the ring and just kind of let the chips fall where they fall. That's really cool. Um, so as you know, I mean, the NFL's played in a hundred yard field and the arena's played in 50. How big of an adjustment was that for you when you're first getting into the arena league? Kind of a, I mean, it, it was an adjustment just because of obviously the dimensions, but once you get used to like the actual rules of our particular league, I think the, the IFL and it was the UIF when I first started with the outlaws, we, our rules are very similar to, to the traditional outdoor game. And, you know, once I learned the rules, it was pretty much football at that point. Yeah, there is a, you have to be aware, obviously, of the dimensions and, you know, kind of the quicker, the way that the game is uh, probably quicker just because of those dimensions. But I think after you get used to it, as all athletes say, you know, the game kind of slows down and it, like you say, it just becomes football. So it, it wasn't a huge adjustment from my position I'm outside of, I guess, just like the alignments for the linemen and some of those kind of nuancy in, in the weeds, uh, particulars for that league. It was just football at that point. That's awesome. I know. I remember going to those games and they were super fast paced. I mean, yeah. yep. mm -hmm. you were going up and down that field all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's by design so the offense can score a lot of points so if you can hold teams you know I think in the arena back when I was playing if you can hold teams to you know under like 28 points that's a touchdown a quarter yeah I mean that's, that's a, you're, doing a, you're doing a really good job defensively especially arena football because I mean you play against some great athletes coming from all walks of life you know from you know, professional athletes from NFL, D1, D2, D3, NAIA, guys right. from, from everywhere, you know, that can really, that can really ball. And, you know, to hold them, we have some, I've been a part of some great defenses that can, you know, hold, held their own and was able to, you know, secure three championships throughout my playing career. For sure. So are you excited to see the new team come in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's football. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a football junkie, man, sports junkie. So, if I can definitely watch football in person, I will opt to do that. And, you know, wanting to root for the guys that are in town here, I think it's going to be cool to see. Hopefully they can have the same uh, type of success that we've had. 
during my playing time. But yeah, definitely excited. I think it's going to be great for the city. You know, something mm-hmm. to do, fam- uh, family friendly entertainment activity. You know, it gets a lot of people to down to uh, to Metro Park. I think it's all good for the city, man. As long as you know, we just got to keep on supporting the team. You know, the, the team has to understand that. You know, we we don't want to, you know, have a, a bad team. So they got to make sure that they they ball. And if they ball, then you know the fans will come. But you know, we love our football. We know good football. You know, from high school to mm-hmm. college and now to the professional ranks. You know, we're not just going to be out there. You know, we'll, we'll support you, but we want to see some results. So as long as the team knows that, we we should be good. Oh, for sure. And I'm really happy this time that they're going with the outlaw name again. I think. There's something with the outlaw name and Billings. It just coincides with each other. And it I think it'll work out great having that name back. Yeah, definitely. I think when we were the the wolves, I know there were obviously some 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 things that happened with the outlaws that caused the teams to to disband and whatnot. But you know, we have to be honest, you know, and, and pay respect to the past and some of the some some of the great things that we've accomplished. You know, understand that, you know, throughout life you're gonna have ups and downs, you know, personally, professionally. So I think if we obviously pay respects to the great players that have come through Billings, I think that's going to be a benefit to this current era, this current regime of outlaws. And I think the outlaws name that like that is Billings, right? So mm-hmm. we shouldn't shy away from some of the things of the past. You know, we talk about them, you learn from from some of those those mistakes and and obviously we can move forward and you know have some great football with another era. Uh, of the outlaws and I think if this organization can bridge the gap you know between some of the the players that are currently still in Billings I think that's going to be to their to their benefit and so I just hope that you know they try to connect as much as possible you know with the community and with the uh, previous regime of the outlaws and I just think it's, it's, it's a good thing that they did you know lean into that because I think the city itself um, you know we'll, we'll support you know, any name that, that it's under, right. but I think the outlaws just kind of stamps, but that puts a stamp on it that, no, this is Billings, this is the outlaws. And so I think mm-hmm. it just kind of holds that, you know, that tradition as, as a something that can be uh, relatable to the community. Oh, for sure. Definitely. So were you a player for the outlaws during the Father's Day tornado? I was. Yes. Yeah. I what was, was that was experience crazy. like as a player? Well, it was crazy because I think I remember <laughs> it's funny. I think I was playing video games either at that time. I think the the NCAA football was still going on. And so I think I might have been playing that. And then I had heard some commotion about like a tornado and whatnot. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, what? That's, that's weird. Like I kind of, you know, just dismissed it, to be honest with you. And where I was living in at the time was kind of more toward downtown. So we really didn't get any effects outside of, you know, rain and whatnot. But right wasn't a lot of, I guess, uh, the actual heart of the tornado obviously wasn't where I was at at the time and didn't really know the real damage until I think like the next day when our owners told us about the damage to the actual facility. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Because we have a playoff game, you know, and another like six, six and a half, like seven days. So it became a matter of, you know, not really focusing on like the, tor- the tornado itself. Okay, how do we regroup and still have a home host a playoff game for the remainder? You know, if we win this next game on Saturday in the championship after that, I think that's kind of where our focus was. But, you know, 
it was, I mean, luckily enough, the, I think luckily enough, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but something where like the game may have been actually moved to that Sunday. I want to say there were talks about that game being played on Sunday instead of Saturday night. So mm-hmm. you can imagine, you know, kind of the damage in terms of potential lives being lost if we record, you know, either, you know, if the game ended right as the tornado hit or, you know, right. during the game. And so luckily enough, I mean, we played on Saturday night and there, there weren't any casualties, just, you know, obviously a lot of property damage to the facility itself. Mm-hmm. I just remember the videos of that tornado and it wasn't really a huge tornado. Mm-hmm. Nope. For one and two, there were people driving right through it. Like no big deal. It's like, yeah. what are you people doing? There's debris yeah. flying all over you. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I remember my teammates showing me some videos that they were driving up Main Street and they were driving by it and kind of, you know, kind of that um, that car accident effect where people are just stopping to to take in the site as opposed to worrying about their own personal safety. It's I don't know, <laughs> a weird thing that we do as people. But yeah, I've seen the videos and it was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, I didn't think that tornadoes were, I guess, possible in Billings, Montana. Like, I was like, what? Tornadoes? And I, thought, I thought that was more of a, you know, Tornado Alley, Midwest, America kind of thing where they are used to a, a mm-hmm. lot of tornadoes. But I guess anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, they don't normally happen in Billings. Eastern mm-hmm. Montana will get them, but mm-hmm. Billings usually not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Now I want to move into more of your professional career. Um, you have worked at the National NCAA office. One, how neat of an experience was that? That's got to be awesome. And two, what will you bring from that role to MSUB? Yeah, no, it was definitely cool. Like I said, it was one of my my goals when I started out in administration. And the, the chips kind of aligned for me to be afforded that opportunity. But I think I definitely put a lot of work in prior to that to be on one of their shortlists of someone that could potentially work for the particular team that I ended up working for. And so I think there, there is, there is no substitute for the work that you got to put in to, you know, potentially be a candidate for a number of positions. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, something administrative, if it's on a particular sports team and things of that nature. So it was definitely a cool experience to, you know, kind of see how that entity works because I think there is a lot of misconceptions about the NCAA and kind of, you know, that Wizard of Oz effect of, you know, what are they doing over there in, in, in Indianapolis? It's kind of tucked away, you know, mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle of the Midwest. And so I guess you can kind of hide in plain sight just as a city itself. But then in terms of, you know, you see a lot of comments, a lot of things in terms of, you know, things that, a lot of sports commentators think that the NCAA does right or wrong. And, you know, you don't really understand how it works. I think it was cool to be able to sit in those offices, being those meetings to get a better understanding of how it works at this particular level, this particular entity, because I have, I have an understanding of it just working in college athletics, but I think mm-hmm. to the traditional person that's just watching sports, you know, there can be a lot of misconceptions and sometimes it is kind of hard to explain what you do at the NCAA. So I just try to break it down. So we are a overly involved consulting firm because you can imagine you have this billion dollar entity. So three different divisions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense for 
this building of 500 employees to just dictate what goes on with these 1,000 plus institutions across three divisions. So the three divisions are actually the ones that are coming to the table to make these governing rules. And this entity, which is, you know, neutral, is pretty much bringing everybody to the table, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, so that when you come to the table, you can be efficient in voting on and making those particular laws, legislation, so that all the schools can pretty much, you know, go, go forth and be great and I guess trust their neighbor that, you know, okay, this is the foundation of what we what we are going to administrate and play and, and I guess uh, and compete under these particular parameters. And so we're just there to bring everybody to the table, you know, make sure you do what you say you're going to do. Um, and then, you know, try to hold the institutions accountable, um, you know, as, as best the resources provide when it comes to that. But yeah, I would say the easiest way to look at the NCAA, I guess the national office is uh, overly involved consulting firm. So yeah, that, that wow. was a good experience. That's awesome. So I have to ask, the NCAA has instituted a new rule for name image likeness, mm-hmm. which I'm happy for because that'll mean college football video games are coming back. <laughs> I love those games growing up. Mm-hmm. But um, I see that there are a lot of times benefiting the larger schools in the country. Do you see the NIL benefiting MSUB at all? It can potentially. I think if you get a, a student athlete or several student athletes that are, you know, I think preferably the easiest way that it could be be done at a major level at MSUB or, or any institution that is at a, a city that is located in a city where the population, you know, is, is under a million or under, you know, 500,000. I think if you have like a hometown hero, I think that mm-hmm. can really take into effect then uh, a corporate sponsor one that, you know, back that particular student athlete because they have a familiar name coming up, you know, from youth sports to high school sports. And then maybe they may have a some kind of relationship with maybe the, the parents or some friends of the parents is kind of growing up. Mm-hmm. in that particular city, then when they get to MSUB, that could be a situation that can be pretty cool. I mean, it brings attention to that student athlete, brings attention to that 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 particular company and for the school itself. So, I mean, I'm a fan of NIL. You know, I want to make sure that I help whoever is going to be blessing these, these courts, these fields, if they get an NIL deal. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can help them out as best as we can so that they don't take, get taken advantage of and don't get into any, you know, any issues on the back end. I think it's so new. We just want to make sure that we do it right. But I think being a D2 administrator, we've always had name, image, and likeness. Um, we, we always had some flexibility there. It just couldn't be a student athlete could profit off the name, image, and likeness, but it couldn't be athletically based. So, I mean, if they had a, a clothing company that wanted them to be some kind of uh, model for their brand as long as it wasn't an athletic clothing line I think we could um, let those student athletes you know go forth and do those things as long as it was stay within the, the particular legislation at that time now that it opens up to be to include you know their athletic likeness I think it's to the benefit of the student athlete um, but I, yeah I mean it's probably going to be um, maybe not as many opportunities for student athletes 
at a school like MSUB, I think, but it definitely opens it up for some of the local sponsorships. But I mean, who knows? You can get a very talented student athlete to come through and they can tap into the social media uh, multiverse mm-hmm. and sphere and, you know, they can do some great things there. I mean, I think the, the great thing about social media and the internet is that it's expansive where you can be anywhere and you can touch a lot of people who have a great reach. So if it's someone that is that savvy and that is linked up and kind of that whole thing, social media wise, I mean, I see some possibilities, but yeah, it's definitely going to be less opportunities than some of the student athletes in, in bigger cities. But I mean, they, the student athletes in bigger cities or bigger institutions, they have, you know, they have to compete with other high profile student right. athletes, right? So it's always going to be, you know, um, battles that you get, that you got to choose no matter mm-hmm. where you're going to be at in terms of name, image, and likeness, because when it comes to people giving, you know, trust and, and money away, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that the sponsors want to make sure that they trust those particular people. So you just right. kind of never know how, what kind of like a situation you can find yourself in. Yeah, it would be kind of neat because, like, I, I watch a lot of Bobcat games. I'm a big Bobcat fan. And, um, you know, Troy Anderson's done a lot with the Rock and Our Bar. And so is, I think, Isaiah and Fonse and a couple of their other players. So I think it'd be kind of cool if, you know, MSUB had one business that maybe would do mm. a partnership with three or four of the guys. You hey, know? we would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we it'd be awesome. That. Hey, yeah, hey, if, if, if there is a company out there that would like to, you know, um, have a name image like this deal i can't broker any deals no but if you know they they have that interest you can definitely send an inquiry out to myself or someone else on our senior administration team and we'd be happy to you know relay that information to that particular student athlete and that student athlete can you know consult us and say hey does this look right or you know we can be happy to help them out so yeah i think that's a great idea (laughs) yeah definitely so another nuanced thing about the NCAA that I'm just not entirely sure how it works and everything like that is the transfer portal. I mean, I see with the big colleges, the people are transferring every day. And I know that MSUB has had a couple of basketball players that have transferred in and out recently. So how exactly does that work? Yeah. Well, I think that the transfer portal is transfer portal is just the tool that the student athlete is the tool that the student athletes and the institutions can pretty much meet from a virtual standpoint. And so we've always had transfer regulations and transfer rules. I think this is just more, the transfer portal is a universal tool to make sure that everyone is, I guess, on the same same playing field when it comes to transferring, right? to make sure that, you know, from a D1 and D2 standpoint, Division Three, I don't think, I don't think that they're using a portal um, to the same effect as Division One and Division Two from a legislation standpoint. And so, yeah, I mean, we've always had the ability to transfer mm-hmm. Division Two, and you have that one-time exception. Division One, they had the transfer one-time exception for the majority of their sports, I think, except for football, basketball, and baseball. But I think a lot of the, most of the other sports had that one-time exception. I think the portal just made it easier from an administration standpoint and from a, a tracking standpoint, because before you had to, you know, use a, a paper form to send out to that particular mm-hmm. institution and say, you know, we are 
you know, um, one, the student athlete will have to make, make it known that, you know, they are transferring and then we would have to send out a form, you know, to that particular institution to have permission to contact that particular student athlete that is transferring. I think now it makes it easier for the student athlete to, you know, say, yes, I want like to transfer. And then now it makes it easier for them to, to be recruited because I think before it was a disadvantage for the student athlete because of the way the system was set up. Now, I think it evens the playing field for a student athlete. You know, sometimes they find themselves in a situation where where they're currently at is just not working out for them, right? right? And so they may need to regroup to another institution. And so, so I think this the transfer portal is a good thing for a student athlete. I know it causes frustrations with the coaching staff mm -hmm. and for institutions because it changes the entire dynamic of how you have to recruit now and, you know, how you have to be more cognizant of, you know, retaining your student athletes so that they don't want to jump into the transfer portal. So I think it's it's probably great for the, the school that gets some of these student athletes from the portal, but also on the same effect, you know, it can be uh, a negative because if some of your student athletes want to try their try their hand in a transfer portal, you know, mm -hmm. now, now you're having to replace them with student athletes being incoming freshmen or looking at, you know, had some student athletes from the transfer portal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just more or less, uh, it's not free agency the way that it, the, the media tries to play it out. It's just pretty much a, a, an administrative tool to, to have everybody on the same page when it comes to uh, monitoring transfer student athletes and the student athletes themselves for them to, you know, I guess have a, a common place to make their intentions known about transferring. And so there can be um, kind of that level playing field when it comes to just the baseline of transferring to another institution. Huh. Yes, because the media does kind of just play it off as like a huge free agency free for all. And it's like, how can the NCAA allow this? What? But yeah. now that you explained it better to me, it makes more sense. And it's basically from what I took from that, just like a modernizing of the old system, making it easier. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, you know, recruiting advantages, you're always going to have an advantage, right? For instance, if a student athlete is from a warm weather state, and your institution is in a cold weather state, you know, if I'm competing against a school in California with a California student athlete, they already have uh, an advantage because that student athlete is used to a California climate mm -hmm. as opposed to coming to a colder state like Montana, you know, or like Colorado. And so, I mean, there's always going to be inherent advantages when it comes to recruiting. I don't think the transfer portal makes that advantage from school A to school B greater is just a matter mm -hmm. like you say it's just modernizing just the transferring process itself for the student athletes and the institutions huh interesting so that kind of leads into one of my other questions with billings and montana in general being a colder climate how do you convince those students from california i know there's other students from texas that have come up in the past how do you convince them to come up here to montana you know, it was interesting. Some student athletes, they want to experience something different, something new. And I think if you you focus on that and just you kind of you, you always want to highlight the great things you have at your institution, the great things you have in your city and some of the cool experiences that you can have as a student athlete going from, you know, a different different state and then coming to, to MSUB. I think if you highlight that, you know, and then you also focus on just the culture 
of the institution, the culture of the particular team that that student athlete is competing with. I think that, I mean, that, that helps you in terms of, I guess, uh, getting someone to come to Billings, Montana, because we have some, we have some great things in Billings, right? Great things in mm -hmm. Montana. And, and funny thing enough, you, you will be surprised at the number of student athletes that seek out Billings, Montana, or a school that's in uh, a similar environment as Montana because they want that experience, right? They want that that mountain, that rural experience where mm -hmm. they may not be afforded that opportunity growing up. And so, I mean, it can work in, in both ways where some students may want to go to a bigger city. Some students want to come to a city that's less populated to give them more of the outdoor experiences. And so I think it's more or less just tapping into what the individual student athlete wants. You know, if you can make sure you have, number one, a safe environment for them to grow and to learn. I, I think you you knock down a lot of the, some of those uh, some of those perceived barriers when you go to uh, a city such as Billings. Oh, for sure. So um, how has COVID-19 affected the athletic department in terms of recruiting, practice, games, everything like that? Ooh, yeah, loaded question. In terms of recruiting, it's changed the dynamic of recruiting because when COVID first hit, and I was still at the NCA at the time. And so I, I'm hearing this from my colleagues that are currently on campus. And also, you know, like I say, at the NCA, helping schools navigate the, the rules and how do you practically apply those rules when, you know, we were pretty much shutting down all these activities. Mm -hmm. I think recruiting took on a different dynamic because there was more trust in the virtual space. Right. So student athletes that couldn't actively come on campus for a visit, they had to rely on the virtual means and, you know, FaceTiming the, the coaches and having those kind of meetings to get a feel for an institution and then making the decision where mm -hmm. student athletes didn't even visit. Uh, there were a, a large population of student athletes that never had an official visit at that particular institution and made a decision because of the, the Zoom calls and, and video conferences that they had with the, with the coaching staff. And so I think it's, it's made us rely, or I guess it opened up the virtual space to be more of a resource when it came to recruiting. That's what mm -hmm. we're creating. Now, when it comes to competitions and games, I mean, we're still dealing with it, right? I mean, right. with the new variant, you know, it's caused more positive cases across the country. And so, you know, keeping health and safety in mind, we're still battling, you know, postponement and cancellation of games. So I think it's just changed the, the entire dynamic of how you have to administrate to make sure that you are engaging in surveillance testing, mm -hmm. making sure that you keep the, the health and safety of the student athletes in the forefront. And then, you know, making decisions with the best and up-to-date information from the CDC, from recommendations from the NCAA, from your conference office, and from any uh, local um, health authorities, and also consulting with your colleagues on campus, right? You know, mm -hmm. what do you all, you all think about, you know, what, sh what should we do? Because we are a part of the, the campus, and, you know, we want to make sure that we are falling in line with what the campus is doing in terms of the response to health and safety from a COVID aspect. But yeah, it's just one of those things where as an administrator, you feel um, there always is going to be some angst because what you, how you were responding 
and making decisions off of the information that you were currently given yesterday can change today. And so there's always some angst with that because you want to make sure that you are administrating with the most up-to-date information. And COVID mm-hmm. just has made a lot of those decisions difficult, especially when it comes to you know, fan engagement and allowing spectators at contests. And then what one school does in terms of their recommendations could be different at another institution in another state. And right. so making sure that your coaches are up to date with that information because we compete in states in Oregon and in Washington and in Idaho. So the COVID regulations, not only from a, a institution standpoint, but institution standpoint, but from a, a city and town standpoint can be different as well. So making sure that they have that information so that they can make those trips as seamless as possible and close to our traditional normal, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward. That's just another aspect to everything that we have to think about. And mm-hmm. I wish we didn't have to anymore, but sadly we do. And I think it's going to be a thing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where you got to, you got to learn to adjust and learn to adapt. And I think the hoping that it's no longer going to be here. I don't think that that is a, a smart um, way to go about it moving forward. I think, you know, for the foreseeable future, COVID is going to be a part of our lives. And we just got to make sure that we adjust accordingly mm-hmm. and do our best to keep everyone's safety in mind when we are, you know, trying to do the traditional things within our society, especially, um, you know, sports is a huge part of our society. So, yeah, we just got to learn to to work, you know, work through it, work with it, as opposed to hoping that it's never going to be here uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future. Definitely. So when you're doing your recruiting, um, do you like your coaches to focus on high school athletes or athletes out of JUCO? For me personally, I want us to focus on quality individuals, you know, and think uh, I want to give, doesn't matter, you know, where they come from, be it, you know, high school, be it a two-year institution, be it another four-year institution. I want to make sure that we have an environment that includes everybody. And so I think as long as they're a quality individual, then we can work with that, right? A quality individual that's a high-performing student, a high-performing athlete, I think that's going to be the the standard that I personally would like in terms of where they come from. I mean, you can easily say that, yeah, we want to make sure we have a number of this X amount of student-athletes from high school, this Mm -hmm. amount from two-year colleges, this amount from four-year college. I think the biggest thing is once you get those student-athletes into your institution, your program, can you retain them? I think retention is just as important, if not more important, than recruiting the student-athletes because once you got them under your care, now you can actually mold them to the program that you currently have implemented. You know, I think we focus so much on recruiting once you get them there, you know, how do you keep them there? And then now you have a chance to really influence them from an academic standpoint, from an athletic standpoint. Now that's where they're kind of the, 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 the getting gets good. And you can kind of mold those, those young adults into, you know, something of a finished product, you know, once they graduate from school. Um, but yeah, I don't have a particular preference. I think we allow for our coaches to set that particular standard of, you know, a number of student athletes from those different 
areas or those different mm-hmm. populations. I think my biggest thing is once we are, once they are here, we keep them, right? How do we retain them and make sure that their experience is top notch? Definitely. So being one of the bigger schools in Montana, obviously there's MSU and U of M. How important is it to have Montana players on your rosters? Oh, it's, 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 it's everything, right? You want to make sure you do your best to keep the, the homegrown talent at your institutions. I know that it can be difficult because some of these student athletes want to obviously, I guess, spread their wings and experience something different than Montana. But there are a lot of student athletes that want to stay in Montana and go to school here. And so I think that's imperative. If you look at the success of a lot of schools that are similar to Billings, they have a large population of their student athletes that are in-state student athletes. Mm-hmm. I think that's key to our success in, in a number of our sports, right? And so I think that's a, a huge, um, that's huge for me to make sure that we have, uh, you know, local talent, be it from Billings or local talent, be it from the entire state of Montana. We have to make sure that we do our best to keep those student athletes within the state and, you know, also make them know or let them know that, you know, if they try their hand at an out-of-state institution, and it doesn't go, you know, the way that they had hoped for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. They can always, you know, find a home at MSUB if things work out, right? So always kind of, you know, extend that that olive branch that it may not work on the first go, go round when we, you know, we're recruiting you, but also know that, you know, Montana is home, Billings is home, and so mm-hmm. you can always come back home. Well, one great example that I don't know if you were recruiting him his first go around, but Brendan Howard, he went mm-hmm. to Eastern Washington and then came to MSU. And he had a really great career at MSUB. Yeah, I think I don't think that was part of my I don't think that was part of my first uh, my first stint as an administrator here at MSUB. I don't know. I've had a, a lot of student athletes that <laughs> <laughs> you know have come through come through the doors. Uh, just kind of trying to keep track of them all. Yeah, definitely. So MSUB is I'm going to say sister school. I don't know what the correct term is for MSU. Um, does having that school as like a you know being part of that MSU system does that help recruiting for MSUB um I think you would have to ask one of my coaches that question I mean I don't know I can't really say if having the Montana State as our um as our main kind of um uh, in a sense part of our title helps or or hurts you know when it comes to recruiting i'm not exactly sure i think sometimes it may confuse maybe some international student athletes i know i get a number of (laughs) emails from from student athletes uh from a number of sports and and maybe they think that montana state billings is the division one school within the state you know and so that may confuse some of the international students but i think the way recruiting is now these student athletes have an array of options, right? And so they can quickly Google what your school is, where it's mm-hmm. located, and they can get a, a, an array of information. So, I mean, I, I don't think that there's a one there's a benefit or or a negative being Montana State Billings. I think mm-hmm. the student athlete just kind of has to do some some of their own due, due diligence in, in any school that they are being recruited by to right. kind of get some information uh, of their own to see, like I say, where the school is located, the population of the school, population of the city, 
mm-hmm. you know, the diversity of the city, all, all of those things. So I think there's kind of some some responsibility and onus on them to kind of know, you know, where they're going to school at um, from that perspective. Definitely. And I can totally see where people would get confused about MSUB because one, Billings is the largest city. So you'd think they'd have the largest mm-hmm. college and Billings and Bozeman both start with B. So <laughs> there's definitely yes. reasons why they could confuse that. And I definitely get that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how important is a healthy and successful athletic department to attract students to MSUB? Oh, it's vital because athletics is a common place for just for us to meet. And that's just from how our society is set up, right? I think that we use sports, we use entertainment as mediums for us to meet and congregate. And so I think the healthier your athletic program is the better you are equipped to market your entire institution. I think it, it's uh, it's easier when you have something that can be easily identified at any institution. I think an athletics provides that easy identifier, right? So if you have uh, a highly successful athletic department. You know, I think that just draws attention just from a media standpoint where you can have uh, media coverage, you know, from the local newspaper, the local TV outlets. And then from there, that student can say, oh, yeah, I heard about MSUB. Yeah, that was a school that, you know, won the national championship this year in that sport. Okay, I want to be a student there. Okay, let me look at being a student there. Do they have the program that that I want? All right, how has that program done matched up against other schools? Mm-hmm. And now I think once you have the commonality of first, okay, I know I identified this school. I know where is it, know where it, it is at. Okay, now I can do the actual nuts and bolts and work. Okay, let's look at this practically. I know that they, you know, have a good sports program, but I'm going here for business. Okay, how is their business program? But mm-hmm. having that quick identifier, I think it's vital for, for any institution. Oh, definitely. It gets a student's foot in the door to look at you Mm -hmm. for sure. So I have to dream. Are there any sports that MSUB is looking to add, especially football? (laughs) (laughs) The football question. I I knew that was coming up (laughs) sooner or later. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, we've never shied away from the football discussion, but we've always wanted to make sure that we pay respect to the current sports that we have in place and do do our best to make sure that they have all the resources that they need to excel. Mm -hmm. And for us, we don't want to bring on any sport, especially a sport such as the magnitude of football at the the detriment of any other sport. So there is a lot that goes involved with adding a sport. And I think if we have the resources in place to relieve some of the pressure that we have at our physical education building, you know, we, we house a lot of student athletes in this one facility. Mm-hmm. I think we would need another facility to add a sport such as football, right? I think we have to make sure that we are compliant in a lot of other areas and have resources in a lot of other areas before, you know, we can practically look at a football and how does that fit into our institution and our mm-hmm. athletic department, because when you have football, that not only changes the dynamic of your department, but it changes the di- entire dynamic of your institution. And so it's a conversation that has to involve more administrators than just the, the ones that 
are in the athletic department. But like I say, like never say never. We are definitely open to those conversations, mm -hmm. but we want to make sure that we are honest with where we are currently at from a resource standpoint in the department. And then once we meet some of those benchmarks that we need to get to to provide the proper resources to our current sports, then at that point we can look at, okay, what makes sense in terms of adding another sport? Okay, if we add that sport, how does it look? Can we make sure that that sport is supported mm -hmm. past the inception so that they are competitive? We don't want to bring any sport in unless we have a chance for them to be competitive. In a sport such as football, you don't want a bad football program. No. Right. It, it puts a, a, an eyesore on your department and it's hard to overcome that. So we have to make sure that we can do it the right way. But we're always here to have that conversation. We love those those talks and we can, you know, definitely dream. You know, I play football, so I have a football background. I would right. love to be an administrator. Um, I was at Truman State and they had football. and That was a great experience. Right. But it is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. puts a lot of strain on your department from an administration standpoint. So. I want to make sure if we add a sport to that magnitude that we can do it the right way and we can pay respect to all the sports that we have and not have football be the one that in a sense drains the other sports that you have. Right. No, that makes total sense. So Rocky was successful in hosting the NAIA women's national tournament here in Billings for a few years. Um, do you see MSUB trying to get any regional or national tournaments in town? Absolutely. It, it's all a part of the, the bidding process. You know, when, the NCAA asks for, for bids to host various regional tournaments. You just got to make sure you submit the best bid that you can. I think we've proven that we can be a great host. We've hosted several NCAA D2 cross-country regional, mm -hmm. um, regional meets in our, in our history. And then in terms of basketball-wise, we, we just hosted a 10-team D2 tournament for women's basketball here in early November, the D2 uh, CCA tip-off classic. And so I think we can use that as an example of the, the caliber that we can host a tournament. And so it's just a matter of us submitting those bids and, you know, us talking about it as an administration. And then we get the proper support from the city itself. And, and uh, the Chamber of Commerce has been a great, you know, partner when it comes to hosting these events, as well as other mm -hmm. companies in the city of Billings. They have been tremendous in helping us host these tournaments from, you know, the hotels, from the different um, restaurants and different companies. Like they've been great. You know, I think when we put on a tournament, we definitely show up and we show out. Um, and I think we love to bring people to Billings so that they can see the great things that we have. But I, we definitely, as an administration, are a fan of hosting these larger tournaments. We can do it at a, at a high level. I don't I think it's funny because you probably wouldn't think of Billings as a destination spot for a tournament, but you will be surprised mm -hmm. when we submit those bids and get, you know, those bids at how many teams and coaching and coaching staffs want to come to Billings because it's something different, something right. new for their student athletes, a new experience mm -hmm. that they won't traditionally have the chance to. And I think the student athletes enjoy coming to Billings to compete kind of see how we how we do it out here in the mountain west but yeah just a matter of us submitting those bids when the bidding cycle opens up or whatever uh, particular sport that 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 we're looking to host that would be awesome to see for sure so understanding that you're limited on non-conference scheduling um 
but and I know you guys did play MSU this year, and actually the women played really well. I was surprised mm-hmm. to see how well they played. Have you considered um, playing more Montana schools to garner more interest across the state for MSUB? Yeah, I think we leave. Uh, I'll say this: we definitely want to make sure that we are doing our best to compete against you know whatever school um, in the state. We our coaching staff dictates. You know, they have um, the responsibility of kind of like setting their annual schedule. And so us as administrators, we definitely are in the loop when it comes to, you know, finalizing those particular game contracts. But it all goes back to the the coach and, you know, the, the context that they have. Um, you know, that's how it's been set up here in terms mm-hmm. of having some of those contests when, it, when we compete against, obviously, our, our NAIA um, colleagues and then for division one schools as well but yeah it all goes down to that particular sport and that coach if there is an avenue for us to compete against the within the state of Montana you know we jump at those opportunities you know I think that those contests are probably going to be the ones that garner the most fans mm-hmm. and so yeah we are definitely open to making sure that we consistently have Montana schools on our schedules the best that we can within obviously the confines of our schedule maximums. Right. But yeah, each coach, you know, pretty much dic- dictates on an annual basis kind of how that all shapes out. And then, I mean, you, you got to keep in mind that some contracts are for multiple years. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't work out that you can play, you know, U, U of M and MSU on an annual basis, you know, in men's basketball, women's basketball, just kind of how it all works out between how the schedules um, play out for that particular year. Oh, for sure. So do you, does the athletic or athletic department, sorry, have any upgrades to the facilities planned? Yes. I think one project that we're currently working on is a golf simulator. Obviously. uh, Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's pretty cold uh, (laughs) in Montana. And so you can't really uh, go out to the course, you know, when it's, single digits or negative, mm-hmm. right? So having a golf simulator is going to be instrumental in the development of our men's and women's golf program. So we are looking at trying to finalize that fundraising this spring. Uh, Shields has a matching gift for the completion of the simulator. And so we just want to make sure that we do hold, we hold, uphold our end of the bargain and meet that parameter so that that allows Shield to, to match us. And so we're looking for donations um for that golf simulator but i think that's probably the the next big project that we're working on um right now and then also looking at how can we upgrade our softball facility you know our soccer facility at city college but i think right now for this particular semester the golf simulator is probably one of our biggest projects that we're trying to get completed awesome so for anybody that would want to donate to the golf simulator for msub how can they do that they can contact myself Yes, Michael Baysmore at msubillings.edu, or you can call me, 406-657-2061. You can definitely hit me up, and we can talk about how you can be a, a donor to the MSUB Athletics Program. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been a joy talking to you and hearing about what's going on at MSUB and hearing about your past and just everything has been great. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me anytime. All right. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks, you too.